everybody, it's me, Katie Soros. Oh, hello, and it's me, Hey Good. And welcome back to Infinite Quest. This week on Infinite Quest, we're talking about cooking. Yeah, we talk about cooking as it relates to ADHD and also as it relates to classical music and other weird stuff. It kind of goes all over the place, but hey, it's an ADHD podcast. That's kind of the whole thing. But right? we do have the first official podcast breakthrough of season two. Oh yeah, we do. Look at that. It was the first one. Uh, hey, everybody, before we start, we just want to let you know that if you're interested in supporting our mission of advocacy and education for mental health, uh, we have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash infinite quest. Uh, and you can go and you can join and you can check it out. We just dropped a cool special bonus mini episode of Eric talking weirdly about Rachmaninoff's third piano concerto yeah. and how it's just like Mario Kart. It is. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if you want to check that out, it's uh, patreon.com slash infinite quest. Yeah. Really nailed this one. That was a really good one. It was one. really good. Yeah. We're doing it live on Twitch, and so I got nervous. Yeah. So anyway, that, that's pretty much the all the, the all the, the announcements. Yep. So on with the show. Ready? Yeah. Transition. <laughs> <Damn> it. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Infinite Quest. This is the very first not live episode of season two. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is me and Katie in studio sitting together. We set up super quickly and efficiently. It definitely didn't take like an hour and a half. Eric, I'm proud of us. I have some very bad. It's been like three and a half hours. Has it really? Yes. <laughs> oh, I guess it has. Yeah, we had the whole OBS thing. Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, we're, we're set up now, and that's all that counts. Also... We didn't say, we didn't do the intro like we normally do the intro, and now the vibe is off. Oh, okay. Well, do you want, here, let's do the, let's do okay. the, the normal intro. Okay, ready? <laughs> Hi, everybody. It's me, Katie Asaurus. And it's me, Hey Good. I hate this. <laughs> okay, so what you guys need to understand is that Eric has reconfigured the microphones as we normally have them, and so now I just have to, like, sit with my face in a microphone as uh -huh. though it's like a pie eating contest yep. like a handless pie eating contest um but the microphone is a pie and i hate it so much i don't know why but i do and it's terrible we'll get used to it i'll, I'll make a nice little setup at okay, my but place like, what if i was like right here would that be okay yeah. no it's not i can already see on the on the audio like i really it really i really do just have to be like right here well it's funny you should mention pies and pie eating and eating in general because because today because today katie we're talking about adhd and cooking wow yeah a surprisingly oft requested topic it really is um uh also i just want to say eric i know you yes because i love you very much and Thanks. I know that somewhere in your scumbag brain, you are super worried about monopolizing the conversation today. <laughs> and I like I know I know this. I know that tweet keeps you up at night. And so I want you to know that, like, it is OK. This is your area of expertise. This is going to be an Eric heavy show. And that's OK. It's fine. Thanks. You're welcome. I, I always get so nervous. Somebody's going to tweet at me and being like, yeah, Infinite Quest is good, but the dude just like never shuts up and he talks over people. So I'm I, I'm very careful to like try to not I know. take I know up you, so much space. I know you worry about it a lot. And so I'm just preemptively saying you can talk a lot about cooking because I know it's something that you're very good at and you're very passionate about and I don't care. Oh, so, well, thank you very like, much. I mean, I care that you're passionate. I just don't care about cooking in the same way that you do. So I'm just, I'm just saying like, it's fine. Well, it's interesting because I think I care about cooking. I think we both care about cooking, but I think I care about it for 
different reasons than you perhaps do we i think we have different like cooking approaches yeah i guess i mean the reason so all right so to those of you who don't know um i've been a professional cook for almost a decade um on and off like my specialty is pizza but i've done no i don't want to say everything but a lot of different random things and the whole time i knew i didn't want to be a professional cook like for my life so i was constantly obsessed with trying to make the things that I learned in professional kitchens useful elsewhere. So I was sort of obsessed with extrapolation. I was so, constantly okay. trying to figure out how things are done in kitchens and how can, how can I apply those things to other stuff? So my question though, is when you say apply stuff, do you mean like, and this is how you cook an efficient roux or are you saying like multitasking and like mise en place and like that kind of thing like what what specifically are you talking about in terms of like the applicable lessons because i feel like it's like two very different conversations yeah i, I think more the second one okay. um more the second one because so the way that i describe so, so if, if anybody's ever watched any cooking show you'll notice that paul hollywood has dreamy eyes <laughs> Yes, you'll notice that. Alton Brown is just, uh, it's fine. We're good. I'm just going to stop the bit there. But I, have, I, I, I was going to riff on like cooking show hosts for like a really long time. And then I just decided not to. I'm sorry. Well, I can't even picture Paul Hollywood's face without my heart rate elevating. I'm it's, just like, oh, God, he's so watching dreamy. me. I he's want, judging me. I just want Paul Hollywood to shake my hand and tell me I did a good job. One day. Hey, if anybody, if anybody's cousin's brother, you know, met Paul Hollywood I'm, I'm, any, somewhere. If anybody's got a line on Paul Hollywood. Eric, I'm convinced that i would win the great british bake-off i've been i've been well. thinking a lot about it it's the only cooking show that lets you bring notes yeah yeah i see you one doing all the all i don't want to say like the obvious research but obviously like you would get your recipes dialed in like you would gifted and talented get the shit out of it but then also i think you would like watch every single episode of the oh, show absolutely and specifically notice like okay paul hollywood cares a lot about limes limes yeah he exactly does. he cares a lot about fruit flavors being like you gotta you gotta have the right balance between your fruit flavor i've thought oh, listen we've been watching too much great british <laughs> is what i'm trying it's to say a, it's our unwind show i like it it's it's great it's really good it's they always the technical man like the technical oh, is yeah. where i would exceed because it's just multitasking and following directions and i'm very good at that that's true also i don't like this because i can't look at you i feel like we're like in you the can, car you can look at me it's all right i it's, know but then like my sound it's fine we're park benching for park benching. You remember that one TikTok that I made about park benching? I, yes. Park benching, baby. To those Good. of you who don't know, park benching is. Would you like to give me like a seven minute monologue about your dead wife? Oh, <laughs> I was like, what you're doing? Goodwill hunting. Was it a yeah, Goodwill hunting Yeah, that was a Goodwill hunting, hunting joke. <laughs> well, with a very slow. One, one shot. Slow shot pans around. It's not a pan. It's, it's what is it called? Like the Michael Bay dolly shot where it's like focused on. It doesn't matter. That's a great. What, what a scene, though. What a scene. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> So what I mean when I say I try to take the lessons that I learned in professional kitchens and apply them elsewhere. I mean, of course, I liked learning, you know, I like science and stuff. So I liked learning about cooking in general and it's useful to be able to do. Um, but when I, oh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. When you're watching a professional cooking show or competition, you'll likely notice that time and doing things quickly is a massive factor. In, like in kitchen culture in general, being able to do things quick, quickly, doing things on time. And it's when you when you dive into that, when you when you wonder why is it so important to do things so quickly? Why can't they just do things at a regular pace? I think imagine if you were a woodworker 
you built woodworky stuff, you know, chairs and whatnot, you know, woodworking. <laughs> but imagine the wood degraded at like a thousand times the rate that it actually does. So at all times, the wood is rotting. So you can't just make a hundred different, you know, chair legs and use them throughout the year. You have to, if you have a chair due at five o'clock on Friday, they're coming to pick it up. That chair is only going to last for like an hour, maybe. And you have to have it ready at exactly that moment because it's degrading so quickly. And so you can't just make a bunch of something and set them aside and then make, you know, a year's worth of other woodworking things <laughs> and set them aside. So you have to just be able at the drop of a hat to be able to replicate a perfect chair and have it ready within like a one minute time interval. That's what a, a kitchen is. That's, that's why, why things meal have to prep be... is stupid. Thanks for coming to our TED talk. <laughs> well, no, well, that's why that's why doing a, a that's why, you know, doing a reasonable amount of meal prep is 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 good. I hate meal prep. I hate meal prep so much. Everybody's always like just meal prep. I'm like, <sighs> but no it's so it's i like oh my god i have such a rant about meal prepping yeah what do you got i just i just it doesn't work for me dog like I, because it's it's a combination of things it is a combination of like one i don't want to eat the same fucking meal for the entire week two if i even if it's like oh i love this food and i want to eat it like all the time the minute that it becomes like the, the like only choice that i have i'm instantly like fuck it i'm ordering sushi third like that's like five hours of my day that like is just like no it's it's boring and then also there's like tupperware and you have to like wash it <laughs> yeah washing tupperware is one of the worst things. i i am so adamant like and it's it's like one of my least popular opinions and like i understand that for a lot of people it's like super super helpful I am so adamantly opposed to meal prep, like in a like it is a weird, like hatred of it. Huh? Like it's I hate like and it's it's like and again, if it works for you, that's fucking fine. And and honestly, I respect you. I respect you as a meal prepper because that it's hard to do. I I there's just something about it that my entire body just goes no. <laughs> well, I think when so for one, I want to point out. I am not a meal prepper. I have been a meal prepper when it like at home and stuff. I have done that before and it's great, but I, I'm just not like, I, I, I'm just not like I could, uh, when I do meal prep, it's for like that night. And then maybe the next day I'll have some diced onions for an omelet or something like that. So like when I, when I meal prep, I don't prep for like the week. Although you could, I think the way that I would meal prep for myself is it's all very discursive. I do have a lot to say about this, but we're just going to start. We're, it's like Plinko. We're just going to ding, 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 all the way down. <laughs> when I think about meal prepping or how I would meal prep, if I were to meal prep for like a whole week, is I would meal prep like the basic part, the constituent parts of everything. So like, you know, no matter everything from this table to me and you is made up of protons, neutrons, and electrons. <laughs> Ready, okay. for this, ready for this analogy? Uh-huh. Oh, uh -huh. I'm going to sit back and wait for this one. Okay. <laughs> but similarly, in cooking, everything can be reduced down to very similar ingredients. Um, I mean, a lot of them. There's not just three fundamental particles like there are in, 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 in the chemistry. What are you talking about? But if you were to make, if you diced, if you, you know, you diced a bunch of onions, diced uh, or minced a bunch of garlic, uh, what else? Um, blanched a bunch of fucking spinach or something. Um, that can make like five different things 
Like you could make a really nice like creamed spinach as a side with chicken, or you can make a really nice like spinachy omelet kind of thing. So you can make those fundamental things and then still go in different directions. And the better you are at cooking, the more different things you can do with those ingredients. Like you could make a really nice pasta sauce out of the onions and the garlic. Like, so you can make different meals out of those constituent things. And so if I were to meal prep, I would take like the basic things and prep a bunch of them for the week and then make just a bunch of random shit. And it'd be fun, it'd be like a cooking show. It'd be like, you know, you open the basket on Chopped and it's like, all right, this week you got anchovies, tomatoes, lima beans. I can't think of a funny sounding, I'm trying to think of a funny sounding and 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 uh, passion, I can't think of anything. Everybody t- uh, email your your funny sounding fruit food names or to, to, to infinitequestpodcast at gmail.com, please. Anyways. I think there's a way to do meal prep that isn't monotonous. And I want lasagna. We can make lasagna. You don't want to make lasagna tonight? I just had that, you know, I was think, talking about, I was, we were talking about meal prep and I was thinking about like the one food that I will like absolutely prep is lasagna because then you get like, I'll make like two trays and then I'll just eat out of it for like the whole week. But like, I want to be very specific out of the tray. Like I just <laughs> take the tray out of the fridge, like forks. It's fine. Like Cutting lasagna is a waste of I'm time. I'm married. It's not cooties <laughs> once you make out with the person you're sharing forks with. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, so 12 minutes in, we're midway down the Plinko board. This is, Here's, ter- this this is terrible. My first question to you, Katie Bobadi. Oh, God. Okay. I how, didn't know there were going to be questions. Now I'm nervous. Well, how... Well, I, I, I guess when you think you when you put your ADHD and cooking next to each other. Yes. What are the feelings that come up? Honestly, this is going to be a really weird answer based on how much complaining I just did about meal prepping. But like I, I, I really feel like one of the most enjoyable things for me and my ADHD is like I actually really like cooking. Mm. The, the act of cooking, the and especially baking. I love baking. I went through a big baking phase. Like I like my chocolate chip cookies have like won awards. Like I'm very good at baking. But my thing is like I'll I'll watch like the Great British Bake Off and I'll be like, okay, I want to like make this type of cake or I want to like learn how to make like this dish or whatever. But then I'll only like make it like twice and then I like get bored. But it's like the making of it and like doing a new thing and like trying like new ways of doing stuff. That is really, really satisfying to me. And I think partially because of ADHD and then also partially partially because of like being a burnt out gifted kid like I want to get it right and so like I'm actually like a fairly decent cook but what fucks me Eric what 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 sucks are the dishes oh you mean like the the dirty dishes afterwards the executive dysfunction of like the after effects of cooking are often what stops me from cooking it's not the action of cooking because I love cooking I love it. I like it. There's just something about it that like it actually like really makes me happy. And I like like cooking food for like the people I love. And like I know that like it's I have like a really weird relationship with my mom. But there was like a three year period where I was dating this guy who also like really liked to cook. It wasn't you. Um, But we would do like Thursday night family dinners and like I would cook something new like every week. And like I watched like my skills improving and I watched like myself get better at cooking and go oh well, like last week i like struggled with like this type of thing so like i've learned from that now i'm gonna try this dish where like i could you know so i was building on like skills and i got really good and it was like one of the the times that i actually felt like really close to my mom was because like we would have these like dinners and i would get to like cook for her and like and and i would be like see like i'm good at things 
um so i I loved that i love cooking but it's like it's like the before of like fuck i have to like find a recipe and i have to like go online and i have to like figure out like which recipe do i do and then i get paralyzed by indecision um and then you know afterwards when i go okay i know that i'm making something that's like complicated because i like cooking really complicated things because it makes me feel important um then i'm like oh fuck now i have like 40 dishes to do and like all of that stuff and so like that that's where i get hung up but like the actual act of cooking it makes me really happy what parts of cooking so let's say start to finish like you know, when you have an idea of what you want to make, like on a given night. So before you even go to the grocery store, if you have to. So from that very point, all the way to done, you know, dishes yeah, are put like yeah. it, it looked like it never happened. What are the parts that you look forward to and are like, this is my moment. Like, this is what I enjoy. Like, is it knife work? Is it sautéing? And what are the parts <laughs> that are like, that is the worst fucking thing I've ever done in my life. It's, it's when the pan goes that's my favorite part this is my favorite part of all the, the cooking is when is when the pan goes it's very it satisfying makes me isn't really it? happy um <laughs> i mean you... i guess like I, I guess like i don't think about it in terms of like component steps like that though like if it's like like in for me it's like it's like three component parts it's like mm -hmm. well four because it's like figuring out the recipe then it's going to the store then it's cooking the thing and then it's cleanup Mm -hmm. and the 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 recipe figuring out what to make deciding what to make like that part fucking sucks and i hate it and then the cleanup part fucking sucks and i hate it grocery store i'm ambivalent about i know you hate the grocery store yeah but like i don't care because i go well it's the place where they have the food that i need and so i'm gonna go to the store and then like sometimes it's fun too because like sometimes if i'm feeling like, bougie i'll go to like you know like sprouts instead of Publix because i'm fancy <laughs> and i'll buy like oh i'm gonna get like a live basil plant and like have like real you know i'll like i'll i'll treat myself and give myself like a little dopamine like during the process by buying like the fancier cheese or whatever um but then like but like the actual cooking part like it's that's like my favorite part because i'm like okay now i'm like doing something and i'm like fairly competent and i know that my knife work gives you nightmares and anxiety but like I, you know I, nobody ever like taught me the right way to do stuff like i just figured it out by myself so there's a lot of stuff where i'm just like yeah i just sort of wave my knife around and hope for the best uh but it, you know it's fun so during that four phase thing where you're figuring out the recipe going to the store cooking cleanup how does your adhd feel like if you're to personify your personify your adhd how does it feel throughout those processes when is it the most comfortable when is it the most like a rowdy toddler like i want to go home it smells like old people at the at the, at the Publix. when how, how does your adhd feel throughout that process um gosh i guess i've never thought about it i feel like I feel like I kind of I feel like my answer my previous answer stands like I get like my ADHD feels really shitty when I'm trying to like find the recipe because you have to navigate through 17 pages of like when I was a young girl on my grandfather's farm oh, we used gosh, to make yeah. me fuck you just put the recipe at the top of the page nobody cares Brenda nobody cares about your grandfather's farm um so we so like that part is hard for me because like I because I also want to like do a good job like mm -hmm. that's part of it is this app that's like the burnt out gift a kid 
mixes with the ADHD. And so it's like, if I'm cooking something and it's not the best version of that, that you've ever had in your life, then I, then I have failed. Hmm. I have like, and I have a really very specific story about that, that I will tell you in a minute. Um, but it's like, if I, if, if my chocolate chip cookies aren't the best chocolate chip cookies than you've ever had, then it's immediately, I'm a failure and I shouldn't have wasted my time. So like, I spend a lot of time in like the recipe and like the R and D and the like prepping because I want it to be like the best fucking lasagna you've ever had. Now I know that's not exactly healthy and I know that it's not exactly like a feasible goal because I'm not like a fucking Michelin star chef. I'm just some asshole in my kitchen with dull knives and one pan, but it's fine. Um, but that part is fine. The cooking is great. The cooking is just like, yes, sometimes I get, what's it? You know, why, why, why is it like, yes, I think it's because it's just engaging. It's engaging in that. Like a lot of times, like I, I like it's multitasking, Mm -hmm. which is good. Um, and there's it's like engaging for my brain because it's like it's because cooking really is like a whole body task like you don't really think about it as as it is but like it is and not to make it sad and like bring the room down but it's also something that like i can do with my dystonia which is like sometimes hard because there's a lot of like physical stuff that i love to do that is now like very affected by my dystonia but like cooking is fine like yeah i might twitch or something but like it does like it doesn't matter it's not gonna like ruin the dance or you know whatever um in a way that like other activities might not um yeah that's my okay so well okay i just talked for like for fucking ever same question back to you (laughs) it's a podcast you're supposed to talk forever (laughs) i know but i always you always ask like really good questions and then i just like rant about stuff and i always forget to ask you questions so same question back to you like what are what are the stages for you and what is good and bad for your adhd Um, I think, hmm, 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 hmm. So just isolating my ADHD, because my relationship with cooking is weird, um, because it's very much built off of my relationship to classical music and playing classical music. Okay. Which is strange. I would like you to expound. Oh, yes. But for, for the moment, isolating my ADHD, figuring out the recipe, fucking boring, hate it. Just hate it. I mean, there's more more to just the, my, the fact that my ADHD hates clicking through links and scrolling through, you know, Brenda's story about her grandfather's <laughs> farm. Also, just for this, for the record, um, to anybody listening to this, this is really this this is this is my gift to you. Use Reader View. Use Reader View. If you have an iPhone and use Safari on the top left in the URL bar, there'll be three little lines. Click on that. A lot. Most websites will say Reader View available, and it'll get rid of all the wingdings and all the little banners. It'll get rid of all the ads. It'll basically turn it into a Word document with just the actual content of the article. And when I discovered that, I was just like, oh, my God, all the wasted years of scrolling past, like, random ads for, like, boner pills and stuff <laughs> while I'm trying to make a Jew, you know, like, oh, my gosh. Anyways, just just quick aside. Um, then shopping. If I'm very familiar with the store that I'm shopping in, I don't mind it. Because I have like a map in my head of what of what the store looks like. And anytime I'm visualizing like a physical space in my head, it's like it's it's brain scratchies. I really like doing it. Um, uh, so if I know the store very well, I don't mind unless I have a broken goddamn foot, then it sucks. Um, oh, I have a broken foot right now <laughs> or I think it's broken. We, we don't know. It's a long story. Um, then I don't mind it because I can just plan my route and I can make it really efficient, which I like. Um, and I can move around. If I'm not really familiar with the store, I cannot stand it. I hate it so much because 
uh, I, I blame myself for not knowing the store better. Um, I blame the store for having a dumb layout. I mean, I don't. I quickly like step back and go, Eric, the store isn't evil and against you. Like, it's whatever. But I find that very overwhelming. Then you're matched with all the sensory input and stuff like that that's going on in the store. It's, ugh, it's a whole thing. So if I know the store, I don't mind it. If I don't, I hate it. Then cooking itself. For one, I don't. I think cooking is is not just one phase to me. It's several. Um, it's doing prep work ahead of time. Because remember, all food is degrading at all times. At varying rates, some things degrade very quickly, some things more slowly. But the moment you open the can, the moment you cut into the thing, the moment you whatever, things are changing and it's degrading. It's getting worse over time. So, how I, long does it take you to cut your fucking onions that they're degrading? <laughs> oh well, that's the thing is you. That's why you have to cut onions very quickly. Well, one of the reasons you have to cut onions very quickly, and they're and they're not degrading. I mean, they'll last like a day. But if you're talking about like, uh, I don't know. Um, like a pizza, when a pizza comes out of the oven, it's perfect. First off, it needs to set for about 10 seconds. So right when it comes out, it's no. 10 seconds after that, you got like a two-minute window where it's perfect. Perfect. It's still excellent after that, but it is going down. Going down slowly. And that's the whole thing. But either way, so when I cook... Sorry, yes, yes, Katie, you have your finger up? What's What's up? So what you're saying, Eric, is that maybe a four-day-old piece of pizza is not an adequate meal. Lawyered! Ha-ha! <laughs> Take care of yourself, you son of a bitch! I will. Well, I have a... Lawyered! All right, you got me. I'll admit you got me. But I, I do have a lot of thoughts on that, too. And one of the reasons that cooking is a strange thing. <laughs> Just I'm for the record, Katie is... Vindication. Holding her arms up in the very... abject vindication. <laughs> Take care oh, of yourself. Congratulations. I worry so much. I okay. Know, I know. Thank you. Um, but so anyways, I don't think of cooking as one stage. I think of cooking before cooking. It's it's all the things that degrade slowly that can be done first. Dicing your onions, weighing out your flowers, all that stuff. I never start actually cooking something until all that stuff is already. All the stuff is, is my mise en place. And the reason for that is because that's one of those things that through training, I can now... All the things that I try to do in my everyday life to assuage my ADHD and, and make my ADHD less of a, you know, a, a problem um, are because I was taught and trained to do that in a culinary setting very well. Because in a culinary setting, because things are happening so quickly, you can't waste time misplacing something or wondering where something is. You have to have a perfect map of your entire station in your head. Just You just have to. Um, I mean, you don't have to, but if you want to be good, you have to. Um, and so it's one of those things where I guess through, through training and practice, my ADHD doesn't like disappear while I'm cooking, but I'm confident that I'm doing everything I can to, to, to make it comfy, you know, to, to, to sit there and stare it right in the face and go, Hey, ADHD, I know I still have you. How you doing? We're going to do this and it's going to be great. So anyways, so there's cooking for me, there's like prep, and then there's action, and there's plating. And plating is the goal for me. If you're if plating is enjoyable, you've done everything right. Um, plating is is when, so for those of you, you know, I'm sure you have some idea of what plating is. But plating is when you literally put the food on the plate for the final time in order to serve it. And if you, if plating is good, if plating is going well, that means you did everything else before that well. It means everything you know, plating something that you know is subpar feels like shit. So if you're feeling good while you're plating, that means you've probably done a pretty good job. Um, and so basically from the moment I start that cooking process of prep, 
all the way through plating, I'm largely in a flow state. And as problems arise, my, it's, it's also, especially well, in a professional setting, when that stuff is happening, it's, it's a rare time when the world is going fast as my brain is, you know? So in a kitchen, when things are going really fast, tickets are printing, people are coming in behind you and, and just things are moving. That's how my brain is normally. And normally it's really obnoxious to have things move so slowly when my brain is going so quickly. But in a kitchen during service, things are moving that quickly. And so my brain is finally like, oh, God, finally, everything like I, I can finally just everything's keeping up with me, which is not to say I just want to point out that when when I say that, like an ADHD person thinks quickly, I don't mean that we think well, necessarily, <laughs> just we think a lot and quickly, you know, so I just want to point that out. I'm not saying like my brain operates at four times the speed of a regular blah, 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 blah. but anyways, then cleanup is awful. Fucking hate it. Just just hate it. I pretty much don't like anything except for the actual act of being there and cooking that, that I very much like. Um, but you brought up a second ago when you lawyered me, hmm. um, that if I'm so concerned and so aware of the fact that food is degrading over time, then how is it that I can eat a four day old piece of pizza sitting on, <laughs> that's been sitting on the counter? And I think that comes down to a, one of the most fundamental questions about like the human condition to me. <laughs> Okay. You ready? I'm gonna, right. This is this is four day old pizza. All right. I'm going to teach. I'm going to I'm going to talk about the human conditioning as it relates to four day old pizza. All right. Uh, my body is ready. <laughs> so one thing about cooking that I find awesome, that I very much like, aside from the process and aside from all that, just the concept of cooking and why I think it just scans for me, is that it's not about you. It's not about the cook. It's about the person you're serving. It's about making that person happy with the thing that you make. Right. You might know that the thing isn't perfect, but the person's glad to have a cookie, and that's what matters. Um, so when I'm cooking for other people, I will fucking make the best, well, <laughs> to the best of my ability, I will make good food. I want it to be on time. I want it to be high quality. To the best of my ability, if I'm making food for anybody else, whether it's my mom, hi mom, or a stranger, it's just I want this person to have, I want their day to be better because they're eating something that I made. Mm -hmm. When that starts to break down is when you're cooking for yourself. Because now the person you're serving is you. Mm -hmm. Right. And I don't, I, I mean, this. I, I don't advocate for this, but I'm, I, I've noticed this through experience. Apparently, I don't give a fuck what that guy eats because it's just me. <laughs> Eric. Uh, and, and so I think cooking for, well, I think my ultimate point is cooking for yourself is inherently a practice of self-love. And I think that's why it's. I don't want to say it's important to cook for yourself, but it is it is useful in way more ways than just sustenance to cook for yourself. You're training yourself through repetition that I am you I am valuable. I am worthy of eating good food. So if you're if I'm cooking something for myself and I burn the shit out of it and I just go like, hey, whatever, it's just me. I'll eat it. I don't care. That's not being kind to myself. If I'm cooking something for myself and I want it to be amazing. It's because I have the same love for myself that I have for others when I'm serving them. And I think trying to discover the same love or trying to afford yourself the same love that you so easily afford to others, Katie, that thing that I always say that you hate. Right. I think that's one of the hardest journeys of life. And I think through cooking, you can do that. Congratulations. 
Congratulations, you did it. You made it to the middle oh, of the episode. We're really, we're really proud of so you. Take a seat. You sit on a stump. Have some orange slices and some Gatorade. You should Good have job. those things. Put the orange slices in the Gatorade. That, Ooh. that sounds like it would Speaking be Speaking of cooking. Yeah, right? Fancy. <laughs> Watch out. Hey, guess what? Uh, we have some really important and exciting news. Um, our 2021 tour is expanding. We have picked up a... Th- Quickly. Three, yeah three new conventions in the past week it's getting a little crazy it's getting a little out of control we're really excited about it uh and did we write down the dates to tell you in this interstitial no we did not no, well, we used to be able to just say them because it was only a couple was but like now two. there's a whole bunch now but there's like nine if you head on over to infinitequestpodcast.com and click on tour dates you can see if we're coming to a city near you we're gonna be in madison we're gonna be in new hampshire we're gonna be in other places that and, exist and i'm i get to go home you do get to go home. Yeah. I'm gonna be in the Quad Cities at the end of August. Yeah. So that's we get to eat super Quad City Pizza. Cool. And I'm so excited for you to experience Quad City Pizza. So anyway, uh, head on over to InfiniteQuestPodcast.com, uh, click on tour dates, uh, and find out where we're gonna be so you can come say hello. And and now back back to the show. Transition. God damn it. Got Eric. you again. We can cut this part out if you want. Um, But I do want to point out that there have been two times in the history of this podcast that you have uh, specifically described yourself as being in a flow state. And I just I think that's fun. What was was the other one? Do you remember? I'm going to I'm going to raise an eyebrow at you. Oh, was it a cooking episode? This is is not a fruit snack warning episode. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so it was in it was in one of the the kink episodes. Yes, I just went ahead and said it. I just just want you to know. I just I just I just am wondering if you put that together or not. (laughs) Anyways, do you find that when you cook for yourself, you care less about the quality of your cooking than when you're cooking for others? I don't cook for myself, so I don't have an answer to that question. Hmm. Why don't you cook for yourself? Because Ritz crackers and cheese slices exist. Hmm. Hmm. I guess I'm trying to... I, like, I cannot stress, like, as much shit as I give you for eating, like, old-ass pizza, I cannot stress how much of a little garbage trash raccoon monster I am when it comes to feeding myself. I, I cannot remember the last time that i was like oh i'm home by myself for whatever reason let me get out the old frying pan and cook like i i have not cooked for myself in easily years hmm. and i'm like and i'm talking like oh, i'm gonna fry up an egg like i no, i it, it, i will eat a cliff bar before i get a frying pan dirty if i'm home by myself oh yeah i mean well i just want i do want to clarify that i rarely cook for myself rarely cook for myself right. if we're if you're over i'll happily cook for the two of us but I, I do rarely cook for myself so i don't want to do a holier than thou thing it is it is rare that i cook for myself and if i do it's usually because i want the satisfaction of making the thing then eating it i honestly like it's sort of like building a model like it's fun building one, but once it's finished it's just like what yeah now it just sits like, there and i don't cool. get it now like, i have this piece of garbage now i just eat this thing that's that's weird like it's fun tasting it but like the meal yeah. itself it's that's an experience i want to give to other people like I saw this TikTok and it was this guy and he's, and he's like, a just, a, you know, like a TikTok cook. And so it's like always like beautiful and amazing and, you know, like just perfectly plated and whatever. And apparently his roommate didn't know that he cooks on, on TikTok. And so he was like, oh yeah, I'll just like whip you up some breakfast. And so he like put together this, like, just like extraordinarily, like just sexy, like a sexy brunch. 
and the roommate was like what and i was like i cannot imagine like you know i just like but like care like carefully like just taking like the the creme fraiche and like you know putting it like just making like the little ball on top of like the little thing and it was all it was just i was like i can't like sometimes i will i will use uh shredded cheese (laughs) instead of slicey cheese because slicey cheese involves having to unwrap the individual piece of cheese (laughs) and that takes a lot of time eric i would rather just sprinkle some shake like some some crumbled cheese and then you know maybe i get some on my cracker (laughs) well i mean the 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 hi everybody (laughs) we're bastions of mental health advocacy and education and this is just me admitting publicly that like i i can't remember the last time i had like a hot meal that wasn't for anybody else <laughs> it's a great bastion of self-care well, over I here think you, you and I, I think you and i take you know some effort to, to try to be like we're not the things that we talk about we don't talk about them because we have been massively successful at them and we have we have completed all the journeys of self-love and we absolutely have not that's that's, that's i think valid. why we do what we do i just always feel like a we terrible have not, and we're not embarrassed about it there's like there's like very certain categories where i feel like i'm so underqualified to talk about like self-care and like food is one of them because like not only is it just like the whole like cooking conversation but then there's like the whole like eating disorder conversation which like we haven't even got to Mm -hmm. so it's just like if i'm even like feeling like i'm deserving of food that day like then that's like it's like a whole other conversation so it's just like it's just like this episode is fun for me because i'm just like yeah sometimes i make cookies cool good talk everybody Do you think, would you like to, can we, do you want to talk about eating disorder sure. at all? I don't want to do it like, yeah. okay? No, it's fine. I'm, I, that's fucking, that was like my whole start, dog. That was like a, my whole, that's how I started talking about like mental health was because yeah, I, I just was. got tired of people dancing around the issue. I was like, fuck it. Huh. It was like before TikTok. Do you think getting into a habit of cooking for yourself, and and uh, when I say habit, I don't mean every day you're making chicken cordon bleu or something like. I just right. mean occasionally, you know. Right. Do you think occasionally cooking for yourself would eventually? I don't know if the word is help your eating disorder, but do you think it would it would further your relationship with food for be- for the better or for worse? I think it. Hold on, I have to sneeze really bad. Let's go podcasting. Hold on. Wait. Wait. We're leaving it in. I think it's... I honestly think it's, like, it's neutral. I think that's a neutral thing because, like, my relationship to food doesn't necessarily have to do with, like, the action of making it. It's the fear and lack of control i feel in conversation with food and when i was in the like throes of my eating disorder like really really bad i used to bake a lot and i would bake for other people and like my theory my like therapy theory is that it's because like not only did i have like so then i was like sort of like vicariously like controlling the food around me by like baking it like making it into something else but then like i could extend the care that i wasn't able to show myself to other people by being like i made you this cake for no reason and here's five more because like i just i just non-stop baking so i got like really good at baking sort of like during that period of my life so like i think they're connected 
But I think that like the act of like making meals for myself, like I don't necessarily feel like that relationship would would change because it's like I feel the same way about cliff bars that I do about like, you know, a beautiful French toast brioche or whatever. Like it's still food and I either have to eat it or I don't have to eat it. You know what I mean? Like and so that's it's a bad answer. No, I, I totally get it because I, I remember <clears throat> when before I started cooking at all, uh, I remember thinking, what's the point of assembling a sandwich? Like, I don't get the point. Why wouldn't you just eat the constituent ingredients? It's less work That's for like the same nutrition. Thing. That's like you a know? whole thing in like on like depression TikTok. Oh, yeah. Eating yeah. just the ingredients just the of something. Ingredients of a sandwich. I still like in, in part of me. I still, you know, think that sometimes. Yeah. I try to like talk myself out of it now. But what's the point of assembling a sandwich? It's the same nutrition and it's less work if you just eat the constituent parts. Why take the time to put together the sandwich? That doesn't make any sense. And for whatever reason, I will always put put the sandwich together for somebody else. But I will very rarely put the sandwich together for myself. And I think... How do I say this? I think there's a cycle going on. I think I don't put the sandwich together for myself because I don't give a fuck about myself. I mean, I'm working on it. <laughs> I'm not advocating for not giving a fuck, but on some core level, I don't consider myself to be as worthy of the finer things in life as other people. So I'll never put the sandwich together for myself um, because I don't find myself worthy. But rather than trying to rather than just trying to arrive at a place where I find myself worthy, therefore I will put the sandwich together for myself. I've found it helpful and I would advocate for this to start with putting the sandwich together because our brains are immensely complicated, but also very simple in some ways. And if your brain consistently sees you doing something that you only do for the people that you care about for yourself, your brain will start to get on board with that idea. Um, so not just starting from a place of, I have to cons eventually consider myself worthy such that I can make a sandwich for myself. Start with making a sandwich for yourself. I mean, do both, you know, <laughs> but you can also just start with making the sandwich. It'll feel weird. It feels weird to cook for yourself. Cause it's like, why am I doing all this work when I could just be eating the ham and the cheese and the, and the whatever, it feels a little bit strange. Um, but eventually it gets easier and eventually your brain just starts to consider yourself somebody that you value as much as the customers that used to come into the restaurants that I worked in and stuff. I just realized like, and I just had a podcast breakthrough. Hey I, I just realized in this moment, um, I'm formulating this thought. I just realized in this moment that I think one of the reasons why I don't cook for myself is because then I have to like actively make a choice about what I want. Mm. Whereas if I'm cooking for other people, I have inherently gotten their feedback about what they want. So I know that I, that the answer is correct. Whoa. I never thought of that. Yeah. That's part of it. Is that because like, if I'm cooking for myself, I can make anything in the entire fucking world. But if I go, Hey, do you guys want lasagna? And like you and Chris go, yeah, sure. We'll have lasagna. Then I'm like, great. I, I'm sort of ambivalent about lasagna. Like I could go for lasagna, but like the people around me have been like, yes, I would like lasagna. Huh. And so I know then therefore it's like the correct choice or like the best option right now. 
whereas like you know if i go hey do you want lasagna and you go no i'm really feeling sushi then i go okay well then i can you know i'm i don't, I don't make bad sushi i'm just not very good at it um but does that make sense yeah. so like that's one of the reasons why i don't like cooking for myself because i'm like immediately paralyzed but like well what do i want and i'm like fuck if i know yeah jeez man yeah i'd never thought of that i think we we had a conversation in the car the other day about um how if if well it, it's easier to do things in a professional capacity sometimes than it is to do them on a personal capacity like if you have to write a long email um if it's a professional matter it's just there's there's an external thing dictating the fact that you should be doing that it's like this is objectively what i should be doing right now fine but if i'm writing a personal email to i don't know ask for a favor or just to say hi or whatever there's an infinity of possible ways to approach that yeah and i don't know which one i want so I, that's that's just crazy i never really thought of that huh <laughs> but i i think most of the time when i cook for myself which again is rare especially with the kitchen i have now <laughs> not talking shit i'm very grateful to have a place to live um when i cook for myself it's usually process focused and i think this might be the case for you too which is i'm the reason i'm doing it is because i'm interested in making the thing i'm not interested in eating the thing yeah that's that's sec- that comes after you know perhaps i'm i'm inter- like great I, yeah. you know i really like sushi but i'm interested in doing it the process of doing it that's what i enjoy eating it is just you know sometimes a bonus sometimes a liability <laughs> but the process is what i enjoy um and i guess in th- hmm huh i guess in that way sometimes my adhd can help me cook for myself maybe because the question of like what do i want is a really big fucking question i mean what's especially when you have adhd and the question of like what do i want to eat tonight can very quickly spin out into what do i want in general in life who am i you know though it can be a very hard question to be like what do i want to eat (laughs) but what would i find interesting right now my ADHD does that all the time. I'll watch a cooking show and the guy will make sushi or something. And I'll be like, oh, I suddenly I'm hyper fixated on sushi. I need to make sushi tonight. Uh, I mean, that's how I originally got into bread is I watched a video on YouTube of a guy making bread. And my brain was just like, we need to do that right now. <laughs> and then that became like a whole career. <laughs> but so I think when I focus on the process, my ADHD is like, oh, yeah, what would be cool to make right now or I also, I very rarely start from, I'm going to cook for myself, what should I make? It usually starts from, I'll see a thing or hear about a thing. Or like last night when we were watching, you know, Great British Bake Off, we were like, oh, dude, let's do historical baking. Like, that would be so much fun. You know, it usually starts with the interest, and then eventually I'll I'll do something about it. It's valid. Also, we can call up our best friend, Ruth Goodman. I was going to say. get her advice. Well, we should re- read her book and cook the stuff from her book. Yeah. And then eventually, when we're um, in Times Square, like, hosting the New Year's Eve thing... <laughs> When, when Anderson Cooper is but a distant memory. Anderson Cooper. And Kathy Griffin's replaced by the two of us. That'd be fun. I'd do that. They look cold, what? though. I don't know. <laughs> we can have what Ruth Goodman on as a guest. What are you talking about? I'm saying... <laughs> I'm to, I, guess I was ham-fistedly saying, if we ever have our own show, it'd be fun to have Ruth Goodman on to Why bake with are us. We ho- what? Why know. are that we was the hosting first, New Year's Eve? That was the first show that I thought of. Okay. It just came to mind. That was the first Not, one. You didn't go with, like, talk show? No. Interview I can't show? Think of, I can't. Well, I can think of late night shows. What are the morning shows with, like, you know, what's his name? Like, um, Good Morning America? Like, there's Michael Strahan and, and, and the people. I don't know. If we ever have a show like that, we're doing some historical baking with Ruth Goodman. Okay, so there's about 15 minutes left in this podcast. We're just going to move on for whatever the fuck that was. Eric, 
you're a cook you're a chef guy uh, kind of uh 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 what are your what is what is like your top three pieces of advice for people with adhd who struggle to cook either for themselves or just in general uh what advice do you have and you are not allowed to use the words mise en place what i'm just kidding that's gonna be your first one isn't it (laughs) of course it is (laughs) well huh one i'd say mise en place get your things ready before you start um because something that can be really frustrating about cooking when you have adhd is everything is kind of time sensitive some things are very forgiving but like you know if you leave a thing on a burner for too long it's going to burn and that stuff like that and so if you're very concerned with like oh shit where did i put the whatever the fuck then that can become a very bad experience and a very shameful experience very quickly so make sure you know where all your stuff is first lay things out um keep things visible um keep a lot of counter space around um so that you can see the things that you are using um that helps a lot uh that can save you a lot of mistakes that might put you off of cooking in general. Um, another thing is, Oh, I had something. Um, well, there's some like weird specific practical things. Um, uh, like, uh, if you have a gas stove, only if you have a gas stove, not electric, you can take apart the top of it. You can take off the, the big iron guards and the little lid things that go over the gas things, take everything off, lay down, um, tin foil and then poke the holes through the thing so that the little spiker sparker things are going up and there's a hole for where the gas to come out and then put everything back together so you have a big layer of tin foil underneath your range um that helps with cleanup so easily then rather than having to like scrub your your range you can just like once a week just replace the tin foil it's super easy that's very that's very specific but holy shit i cannot imagine my life if i didn't do that um Another one, and this 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 depends on the person. Some people I think would be really into this. Some people not so much. Um, but learning about the science behind cooking, or at least the general th- about how cooking works, is really nice because one that allows you to problem solve more efficiently uh, or more effectively, and it's also a joy. It allows you to play more. The more you understand how things work the more you can go like, oh, they call for shallots, but I don't have shallots. I do have red onions. Those will do. So like understanding which things serve similar functions and why. I highly recommend the book On Food and Cooking by Harold McGee. Um, It is dense. It's basically a textbook. So it's a lot of it is like goes right over your head because it's just like, ugh. but if you're wondering how like, what's up with water? You know, what's up with what? Why is it that when you cool most atoms down and stuff, they get smaller? But water expands and breaks pipe and stuff what's up with that why 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 is that it's a great book for answering those like really specific questions about about food and stuff highly recommend that um and also start with simple things i mean you can make really 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 good food with like four ingredients my mom and i used to cook out of this cookbook called the four ingredient cookbook and it was every recipe only involved four ingredients and that was like that was the first time that cooking was sort of demystified to me you know, where it's like, you know, people who cook at very high levels, it's not just that they're doing things that are insanely complicated. Sometimes they are, but it's also just taking ingredients and taking ingredients, I guess, and allowing them to be what they want to be within the context of a dish. So you can make, you can pick a couple flavors, you know, uh, lamb, rosemary, and, and, um, red currant, I think was one of them, um, and throw them together and make, a really nice meal out of a couple ingredients. Um, keep things in your freezer. Lots of proteins. Keep them in your freezer to, to bust out. Um, have a lot of spices around. 
uh, and, and just play. Just remember to play. I think that's important. That's very good advice, Eric. Yeah, I brought up earlier about how my relationship to cooking is very much built on my relationship to classical music. And we got like 10 minutes left, so I don't know how much I <laughs> do it, but so I was so ready for this. Are you ready? All right. So I went to a boarding school for to play music um, in high school for, for um, 11th and 12th grade. I played classical guitar. Um, so I was in like the classical group. There were also people there uh, who wrote, who, who played jazz music. And I took one jazz class my senior year. Um, but I always, how do I say this? Okay, think of it this way. If you needed to recite a speech in German, you need to give a speech in German, but you don't speak German. Maybe you do, but pretend you don't for the moment. You likely could figure out phonetically how to pronounce everything. You could learn the meanings of all the words so you know how to, which ones to emphasize. You know when, you know, what points to, to emphasize. You could give a good speech even though you don't actually speak German. You could still memorize the speech and learn what the words mean and learn how to pronounce them and all that and give a very good speech. A speech so good, in fact, somebody might hear it and think, wow, that person speaks really good German, when in fact you don't. You're just good at that speech. That's the difference between classical music and jazz to me. Classical music is like learning the speech, whereas jazz is like speaking German. And I never spoke music. I still don't. I got pretty good at memorizing speeches and understanding them and, and making it so that I could play them such that somebody might look at me or listen to me and think, wow, that guy really understands music when really I'm just good at understanding music that other people have written. So I was, I was always in my head, and this is not me talking shit about classical musicians. I'm trying to get over this, this, this series of thoughts, so I don't necessarily subscribe to this now. But when it comes to following a recipe, I can follow a recipe precisely and accurately very well. That was my job for a decade. Um, my job was not even to make good food. My job was to make my chef's food, to make exactly their food. What, whatever I thought about it, it does not matter. My job was to execute what they wanted me to do. And I learned a lot through doing that. Um, but I never spoke German. I still don't speak German. I'm not fluent in the language of the culinary arts. Um, it's very hard for me to take ingredients and just make a thing out of them. I can make something that is fine and whatever, but cooking at the level that I was, that, you know, I was proximal to for a number of years. Um, I never got there. I don't think I ever will. Cause I don't really care to, um, taste gap. I think there's a taste, taste gap. gap thing. Yeah. I'm calling it. I'm calling Fuck you. Taste gap. What's the taste you're, gap? You're Katie? a phenomenal cook. I fuck I, you. Fuck you. Fuck you. I invalidate all of your feelings. You're a phenomenal cook. <laughs> I don't think you're it's, invalidating but I my feel feelings. Like, no, like I'm going to, I'm arguing with you right now because I feel like you do this shit all the time. I'm calling you out about it, Eric, because like, yeah, you worked with like world-class nah. fucking chefs. Of course you're like, I can't do what they do because like, like you don't have like the same training, but you are an incredibly talented chef the same way that like, I've like, uh, it frustrates me because you're so talented and you're just like, oh, I'm terrible and everything is terrible. That's you. That's what you sound like. I gotta say, Katie, like, this isn't me talking shit about myself. This is just me trying to be objective about this. No, I'm not. No, I am not. I am a very useful cook. I'm a damn useful cook. But no, I'm not. I cannot, I could not write a great menu. I just couldn't. And I'm not, that's, I'm not but saying. But you could learn. 
Oh yeah, of course. That's I could what learn. I'm saying. I was yeah, like, I was sure like, I, I feel like, like there's the the conversation that you're having is like there's like this like inherent like some people are born speaking German. Oh no no no! And no, I that's... feel like that's like that's where where you get hung up. Like I'm calling you out. Because, like, that's, it's just, you just, like, if you went to culinary school, you'd be fucking brilliant. Yeah, I mean, that's not what I mean. I don't mean to say that there's some people inherently speak German, metaphorically speaking. Yeah. I don't mean to say that at all. Um, I think my time in the culinary world um, was constantly asking me, how much do I really care? How much do I care? Um, How much do I value good food? When I see good food or eat good food, do I do I have like an existential experience? Do I, do I feel like I understand my place in the world? When I listen to a lot of classical music, I absolutely do. And that might be inherent. That might be something that like, I'm so excited I don't know. for our anniversary. <laughs> We're I'm going so out. excited to take you to gun show. But with cooking through, you know, throughout the, the decades that I was cooking professionally, or, you know, it was almost, I think it was like eight, eight plus years. Um, I was constantly sort of asked, like, how much do you really care? You know, my, my first real, real cooking job was uh, in Napa, California. Um, and I was way out of my depths. I got the job through, like, uh, nepotism and white privilege. But, hey, <laughs> I got the job and I was going to do my best. Um, and I did something close to my best for a couple months. Um, I kept pushing myself as hard as I can. And every time I thought I was going to quit, I would have to ask myself, am I trying as hard as I can? And the answer was always no. Um, And so I would try harder and give it another week. And eventually, when I finally did quit, I still don't think I was trying as hard as I could have. But I was trying as hard as I was willing to. And finding that line was fucking weird and hard. I had to acknowledge the fact that I value a shit ton about professional cooking. I value the skills it teaches you. I value the organizational skills. I value the language that cooks use. I value the respect for like food and the natural world. I value so much about it. But at the end of the day, I just don't care about excellent food the way that I care about excellent music or, or excellent, you know, poetry or art or something like that. It just doesn't scratch that same itch for me. And so I admit that, if I buckled down and went to culinary school, that I could become a pretty good chef. Um, but searching within myself and realizing I don't want to, that was a really fucking weird journey. And it ultimately, like, I mean, I was a cook up until we met. Up, I was a cook for the first, pretty much the entire first season of this podcast. I was still a cook and I still loved it. Um, but at the end, I love, but the things I valued about it, we're process oriented, we're science based. At the end of the day, the final product of the food and eating something that's like transcendent. I, I just didn't have that taste. I don't I don't care that much. Um, and I don't think that's something that I was capable of learning or cared to learn if I, even if I could. And that was a really hard judgment call to make. <coughs> I don't have anything else. <laughs> I was really I was I was gonna be like maybe we should just we should keep we should I was like okay Eric what's the best meal you've ever eaten oh man I don't know um I don't know see that's the thing I don't know I think because I've probably eaten something incredible before but I, it doesn't. I don't recall it. I remember the first time I heard, you know, Rock Rock Man out of Third Piano Concerto. I remember the first time I heard Mahler's Eighth, um, but I don't remember the vast majority of the quote unquote good food that I've ever eaten. 
because it just didn't strike that thing for me. I, I mean, right off the top of my head, Zer's, my grandfather's um, bolognese is fantastic. My grandfather's flank steak um, and the sauce that he makes is fantastic. Um, and I, I don't mean to want to discredit that because those are my favorites for emotional reasons because that's entirely valid as well. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. This, that's, this, that's a great answer. I think this episode might require a, a part two after I unpack. I feel like I, I feel like say... I feel like we got to that point where like we just like we just got to the box and we were like, oh cool, we opened the box and there's just a bunch more boxes inside. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like I've, I've been thinking, you know, for a week about what I want to talk about, and but it's just hearing it out loud, hearing myself say it out loud. Like I'm also sitting across the table from me listening to this, and I'm like responding to myself in, in real time in my head, and so it's weird. It's like. You can't you can't do an episode two of a podcast without doing an episode one because episode two is a response to episode one. But anyways, uh, thank you so much for listening wow. to whatever this was. <laughs> Eric Good hitting us with those hard hitting podcast oh, truths. Oh my gosh! You can't have a part two before you have a part what? one. What? what? Oh god! <laughs> episode the cooking episode two is going to be called cooking I'm, to electric boogaloo i'm calling this one cooking part two just to be a shithead oh <laughs> that's so mean that everybody's gonna have to scroll back to the episode like what where's episode one i don't know see that's the joke <laughs> anyways no, i won't do that moral of the story my my big point my my thesis is cooking for yourself is an exercise in self-love and even if you don't love yourself cooking for yourself might convince you that you do because you should and do i like that so much that was very nice yeah Good job. Thanks. Is this, do you want to have it, the audio fade out as we're saying this? I guess we could fade out at this point. Yeah, you want to fade out right now? Yeah, you want to order some I'll takeout? Listen to how quiet we're getting. I'm so quiet. Oh gosh, you can I'm barely so hear quiet. me now. I'm just very quiet. Oh my gosh. I'm very quiet. Katie, I'm going to do oh, the... Oh, we, we're not supposed to actually fade I'm out. I'm going to fade out in post. Oh, okay. You're yeah, going to fix it in post? And that's it for all of us here at Infinite Quest this week. But hey, before we go, we just wanted to say thank you to our very new Patreon sponsors. Yeah, I also wanted to say Rabo It is very late and we have been doing this for a very long time. Uh, I really the wanted to say it though. Exhaustion is creeping in. It is. Uh, so as is now uh, a tradition here at Infinite Quest, uh, we'd like to welcome the following people to the Infinite Quest family. You ready? Yep. Eric, uh, the, the okay. I just uh, this doesn't matter. This is like a little bonus podcast. It's a podcast in the podcast. Yeah. But that? so my guitar was just sitting. Yeah. It was just sitting, minding its own business, and the string just broke. Like after, like nobody touched it. Nobody. It was yeah. just like a ghost came and like snapped the string. And so Eric doesn't get to play his guitar this week. So he's gonna contribute by beatboxing. Uh. No, 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 no. I just no. wanted to see your reaction. Pa just Pandora doesn't go back in the box, okay? Right. Can't put the cat back in the bag. I'm really proud All right? of that. I just wanted to <laughs> you see You can't be Fox while laughing, though. Okay. okay. <clears throat> you ready? <laughs> okay. I got you. Oh, you totally I got you just for real. Me. Okay. I got you for real. Okay. Here we go. Oh, no. All right. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, you ready? <gasps> Did 
this week we have some new people to thank. It's like a rap. And the first person we've got is Haley. And then we've got Amrit as well. Don't forget about Caitlin and Persephone. And also Violet Witch <laughs> and Leon. <laughs> Why are you so good at that? Diana face. Uh, so hey, anybody, uh, I was going to finish the song, but I feel like that. <laughs> that was honestly, that was like pretty good. That was pretty good. Uh, so hey, everybody, thank you so much for uh, supporting Infinite Quest. Um, when you become a Patreon sponsor, it helps us support our mission of ed- advocacy and education. Um, and it's uh, going to our 2021 tour because uh, it turns out flights cost money. That is uh, true. Who knew? You can't just fly yeah, through your arms they, and fly there. They don't pay you to go to conventions. It's a little known uh, fact. Like, they fact. do not pay you. They'll comp your room. They'll comp your badge. That's true. Yeah. Sometimes. We're not. We're not fancy enough to get to get <laughs> to get the flights paid for yet. That's next year's goal. Also, if you've made it this far throughout the outro, what one congratulations. What are you, I hope are you're you, okay. Yeah, are you okay? But if you made it this far, then that might means you like us enough to come to our Twitch streams. Katie and I both go live on Twitch every weekday. Katie goes at eleven thirty, uh, at eleven thirty Eastern. I follow immediately at twelve thirty Eastern. It's Katieosaurus, but the O is a zero. Because somebody's camping on my. It's me. I'm it is Twitch.tv/slashKatieosaurus. And is it you camping on the? I think so. I think I signed up for it, oh, and I can't forgot. remember the password. Oh, okay. Well, you're a fancy Twitch partner. You can play. Like, no, I need to send him an email. Be like, and listen. I am Twitch.tv/slashHeyGood. So if you want to do the 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 KDO show followed by the Hey Good Daily Show. It's a really good oh it's God. a really good way the to K- the KDO show. The KDO show. I like that. Well, then I was going to call myself the KDO after show, but you know, I want to you know I'm 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 I was trying to, I was trying like to make a, a funny like Garfunkel joke. after joke like Garfunkel and Oates. Yeah, I was going to try to do that too, that but good. I didn't. Anyways, That's thanks fine. so much for being here again. If you've made it to this far into the outro, I hope you're okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for being here, everybody. And for all of us at Infant Quest, as always, drink some water, take your meds, eat a snack, be kind to yourself, be kind to others, and we'll see you next week. Transition! Oh, I was going to say my cool fade out phase. No. Whatever. Okay. No, you took transition from me twice.